Hi, friend. Welcome to Holly's Highlights, a podcast designed to encourage, inspire, and equip you to intentionally live your life full of purpose. I'm your host, Holly Kirby, motivational speaker, leadership cultivator, marketing strategist, and personal cheerleader. Let's check out today's highlight. This episode brought to you by the Rescue Mission of Salt Lake. The Rescue Mission of Salt Lake is committed to transforming the lives of our homeless friends. Through our new life program, our friends enter a Bible-based recovery program that helps them deal with the causes of their addiction and prepare them to escape the cycle of homelessness. We are helping all those who come to us in need through shelter, food, clothing, hygiene, and friendship. Your prayers and financial support are greatly appreciated. Visit us online at rescuesaltlake.org for more information on our ministry. What seems to be on much of the world's mind, okay, aside from the ongoing pandemic, are the world games going on. And I think everyone is appreciating the positive distraction right now. We've been going down to my dad's house to watch the competitions, and I love hearing the stories of those who have overcome and persevered and basically just fought for something. And one thing that the summer games, I think, teaches us is that our past doesn't define us, but can act as a source of strength to us. I was recently listening to a podcast, The Eric Allen Show, and I got to tell you, Eric's story is inspiring and gave me chills listening to his testimony. I couldn't wait for you to be able to hear his story. Eric is truly a man of integrity and work ethic and an overcomer. Eric grew up with a complicated childhood and broken home. He began raising himself from the age of 14. You guys, that's the age of my daughter, so that hit home for sure. Unfortunately, this this played into finding trouble along the way as he desperately tried to fill those gaping voids in his life and feeling empty and just basically settling for less. But after he puts it, the feverish pursuit of the Holy Spirit, I like that, Eric decided to surrender and trust the one that would never let him down. Once Eric gave his life to Christ, his life completely turned around. He met a beautiful woman and a new chapter was written. Now, Eric and his wife of nearly 15 years and their two kids live in northern Idaho, and together they're breaking those cycles that have been handed down to them of addictions and depression and abuse and those lies. They're leaving a a new legacy for their next generation built on a biblical foundation. Now, along with being the sole provider for his family, Eric is an entrepreneur and an avid MMA fan, so I know just caught some of your guys' attention with that. I'm intrigued as well, which as a result has led him to create what is known as the best MMA podcast of the Northwest, and the podcast is called Top Rated MMA, for those of you who want to check that out, Top Rated MMA. He believes in giving back and honoring those that have served our country, as do I. And with his companies, the Top Rated MMA and the Eric Allen Show, he's able to do just that as he lifts others up and gives back to the community and veterans through great organizations like Higher Heroes USA, which I'm sure we're going to hear about a little bit more coming soon. Another one of the ways that Eric is able to give back is by sharing his story and encouraging others that no matter what path they're on, to find hope and purpose. He knows that sometimes having the opportunity to to meet someone and hear their story and how they've overcome is the courage that someone might need to find new strength in their own battle. Eric might have been dealt a rough hand, but with the help of his Heavenly Father and a humble heart, Eric is taking each day as it comes and making it count. Hey, Eric, welcome to Holly's Highlights. 
Hello, and thank you so much for just an awesome introduction there. It's (laughs) such an honor to be here. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I am so delighted to have you here today, and I'm grateful for your willingness to just vulnerably share your story with us. I got to tell you, when I first heard your testimony on The Eric Allen Show, I was filled with so much emotion, from anger of what you endured as a child to sadness of the trials you faced and tears of joy when you shared how coming to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior changed your life, to where I just wanted to give you and your sweet wife a huge hug for overcoming and breaking the chains of the past and paving a new foundation for your children and your family. So I'd love for our listeners to hear your testimony. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I grew up in Eastern Washington and and I thought it was a typical household. Went to Sunday school and played Little League. My parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. I'd never heard that word before or even knew anyone that got a divorce before. So it was really shocking to me that my parents all of a sudden weren't going to be together anymore. My mom got together with this guy who was very physically abusive almost immediately. And I didn't understand why she continued to stay with him. So that kind of blew my mind. I remember there was days where, you know, he would be over at the house and he would be hitting her with a cordless phone. I'd be outside looking through the bedroom window, you know, trying to figure out what was going on. Cops would show up. My mom would never press charges. Just didn't understand why. Well, then they did the smart thing and my mom got pregnant and they decided to move us to small town, Montana, Stevensville, Montana population, 1200 people. It was on five acres, beautiful property, ponds right by the Bitterroot river. They rented this house on that property and that house had three bedrooms. It was one for them. One for my little brother, who was just a few months old, and then my sister, who's four years younger than me. And they said, Eric, you don't live in the garage. I literally had this plastic tarp at the end of my bed that separated my bed from the truck that pulled in. I had a fireplace on my half of the garage. It would keep me semi-warm through the winters when it got into negative degrees in the winter. You know, so it's just kind of this odd, like, situation that I was put in. And the abuse and the, uh, you know, drinking the alcohol from my mom's boyfriend continued even more so being out there. I remember being 13 years old, brushed my teeth one night, and they came home arguing. It wasn't anything different. But as I was brushing my teeth, I really felt like God was saying, man, you got to turn around and see what's going on. And so the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry to the garage where I stayed. And as I turned around the corner, I saw him in the hallway before the garage door that you know led to my room. And he was on top of her, and he was just like, boom, 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 one shot after the other, punched her in the face. I'm like, man, I got to get this guy off. And so I snuck up behind him. I grabbed a cast iron pan and I swung as hard as I could and split the back of his head open. And he turned around and he said, what the, and as he said that, I took another swing and I split his forehead open. And I had swung so hard the second time I didn't actually, uh, you know, knock him out. I had fallen over and I remember him standing up and he was bleeding from his face and he started to yell. My mom jumps up, lands like six punches in a row and blood splatting the wall behind him. Cops show up take him to jail for the night. My mom doesn't press charges. I was actually kicked out of the house at that point. So I had three months left of my freshman year of high school. And that led me down a path of, of massive destruction for the next 10 years. Wow. And I think one question on everyone's mind is, what is your relationship with your family, especially that mom and your sister, was it, that was four years younger? Yeah. yeah. What does that look like today? I've never been close with my sister. It's very much, uh, hey, that's the kids, that's my kid's aunt. And she has some kids and they're great kids. And, you know, we, we have this kind of mutual, I guess, sort of, you know, relationship we call on the holidays, we call them birthdays, but that's about it. And I, I love her from a distance. My wife and I moved to Idaho to really kind of up separate ourselves from people that were in our family that had different values and different morals and things like that. And 
Uh, my mom lives out in Texas as well. And my brother uh, now, I think he's, gosh, I don't even know, late 20s. He's living up in the Seattle area. And so uh, I'm not very close with any of my family. It's something that I, I had to fight in, internally to, to forgive, but have forgiven for sure. Uh, I just don't have that very close relationship. My my priority now, being 41 years old, is really building my marriage up and building my kids up in the relationship and, and the structure that I want to have them have. And that's not having that abuse or rejection or abandonment that I witnessed as a kid. Absolutely. I can't imagine being 14 years of age and shuffling around from one friend's home to another. How did that impact? You talked about your, your addictions that came. How did that impact that spiraling path of addiction? Yeah, it really did lead me down a path of destruction. After my freshman year, I moved out to Washington to live with my dad and he rented this house for him and I, and he put 20 bucks in the cup for my lunch money for the week and hunger man meals in the freezer and cereal milk in the fridge. And then he'd go stay with his girlfriend. And so I had no accountability. I had no adult supervision. I immediately got into new friends because I hadn't seen people for a couple of years in that area. And so I was smoking pot before school. I was smoking pot at lunch. I was smoking pot after school and 18 years old. And while I was still a senior in high school, I got arrested for having a bong, which is, uh, it's legal in the state of Washington now, but at the time in 1998, it was not. And I had to go to jail, black and white chain gang outfit on bright orange slippers, scariest day of my life, I think. And even when I went to that jail, here I am not knowing the Lord on a personal relationship at that time. But I thought if I bring this Bible with me, then God will protect me. <laughs> and it was this Bible that my dad had. It was, it was like wrapped in denim, you know, and I just took it with me. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to start reading this. And I just started reading the Genesis. And I just read that thing the whole time I was there for 24 hours and God kept me safe. He protected me. I got out and you think I'd learned my lesson. And I really didn't. And I was on probation for a year, so I couldn't, you know, smoke pot, but what that did was enhance my drinking. And so two weeks after I graduated high school, I woke up to a note on a bathroom mirror that said, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. And between ages of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times, just living on couches of friends and things like that. And living off of credit cards. I moved up to Seattle with a hundred dollars in my pocket, slept on floors. And by the time I'm 21, I was $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy. And uh, just lived this life or I was borrowing money from money tree to pay cash advance and vice versa, you know, barely getting by and landed a job with Universal Records, which is always a dream job for my of mine to be in the music business. I don't know how to play anything. I just wanted to be involved in music. (laughs) And it was amazing. I loved it. I was going to two to three concerts a week, but I had open tab at every single one of those. So I had this two year span where I went to about 175 concerts and never paid for alcohol but I had open tab at every single one of those. So it just increased again, more alcoholism in my life and just really trying to live that rock star lifestyle without being a rock star. And uh, then I got laid off my one year anniversary there at Universal. And I, I went into, I would say a, a pretty good depression. I was working at Starbucks at night. I'd get off work and go get a six pack of beer and then go to Hollywood video and rent a video and, and go past my, you know, pass out of my apartment that was across the street from where Jimi Hendrix is buried there in Renton, Washington. And this girl walked in one night at Starbucks and said, Hey, would you be interested in going to this college age event we have down in our church? And, you know, I'm depressed. I have no friends and she's very good looking. Absolutely. I will go, (laughs) you know? So like, I just like, I was, I was totally open to the idea of going to a church event. And so I got down there and it was this weird connections where I knew all these guys that were from the other side of the state. It was like, man, I haven't seen you in 10 years. I haven't seen you in five years. And I think God was planting a seed in that moment. 
And a month later, it was Easter 2004. I went out and partied and, and was managing a band. And we played the night before Easter. I woke up Easter morning in my buddy's basement, surrounded by probably 15 guys. And I felt in my heart in that moment that God was telling me, man, if you keep going on this path, your life's going to end very quickly. And so I decided to give my life to Christ right there in that, my buddy's basement. And I just quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything right then and there. I called that girl up who invited me to that event, got her voicemail and said, hey, happy Easter. Maybe I'll see you at the store. And uh, now we've been married for almost 17 years. Wow. Congratulations. That is awesome. Thank you. Thank <laughs> That's you. Awesome. You mentioned your wife. It definitely sounds like she was very instrumental in your changing of your ways. Totally. But more vital was that relationship with Jesus. And, and yeah. there are so many things that tend to stop people in their tracks from crossing that line of knowing of God and truly coming to know him. And mm. Pride, shame, denial, not wanting to leave securities of life, such as their addictions or those friendship circles. How did you press into trust? trusting God and, and truly committing your life to him after all you had been through and the place you were in life, you shared about the music industry and the party scene. How yeah. did you make that transition? I had to put myself in positions around and, and be around people that were living the life that I wanted to. So men that were living, that were going to the church, that were living lives of successful marriages, successful businesses, they had great relationships with Christ. And it was funny because almost before I never even thought about it as interviewing people, but I would find these guys that were in the church that were doing those things and say, can I take you out to coffee? I just want to understand how are you doing that? What did you do? What's your story? And I was almost like interviewing them at the time and just feeding off of them. I mean, I was sponging everything up I could take. I was reading like crazy, like a book a week. And I'd never read books prior to that. You know, <laughs> it was just like whatever I could get in my hands about growing deeper in my relationship with Christ. And it wasn't easy. I was filled with shame and I was filled with embarrassment. And, you know, cause I had had, uh, you know, girlfriends and I had partners before that, you know, and before meeting my wife and, and I had to, you know, say that. And I, I was really embarrassed about my past. And, and so I had to get rid of that shame and I had to really realize at the one point that, you know, that really hit me hard uh, was I finally realized that my past and other people's opinions do not define my future. And I can make a change at any point and continue to move on and, and hopefully leave a better legacy. Such a good point, though, of being able to look at those who you want to emulate and and starting getting to know them and what yeah. helps them prosper in that way. And I think that's such smart advice to all of us. How did you break the chains of the abuse and the addiction and rejection in your own home? My wife and I, we both came into this the marriage where we kind of knew exactly what we didn't want in a marriage. But unfortunately, we also brought that junk. Right. So I, I came into it almost being like defensive about everything because I was always blamed for things. And I ended, I ended up going through counseling for a while in my in our early marriage years uh, just to kind of let it out. I'd never told anybody my story except for my very close friends. In fact, I'm 41 now. I never shared my story publicly until I was 39. And uh, it was just this moment where I think sitting down and, and talking to somebody about it, putting my story out there, even to, to just a counselor or someone in the church, I think can really make a huge impact and take a lot of weight off your shoulders if, if you're holding that in. And so I think being able to do that and realize that, you know what, my life now is not about me. It's about my marriage. It's about, you know, hopefully at, at that time in my life, like I want to have amazing kids and I want them to follow Christ and I want them to live these amazing lives. And, you know, the first five years that my wife and I were married, we just spent getting to know each other. We didn't have kids. We 
went and we traveled. We went down to Mexico two times to go build homes. And, you know, I'm not a tool person. My wife is the tool person. She grew up in the shop. So she's out there doing, you know, all the power tools. And I'm just like breaking nails, right? Like we just went on these (laughs) adventures together for the first five years and got to know each other. And I think that's what really helped us kind of get on that right path. And, you know, we've been married for 17 years. There's years that are good. There's years that are not so good. There's months that go by that are, you know, sometimes not good. But, you know, one thing that we wanted to do is like, we wanted to, really say our kids, we want our kids to know like, Hey, you know, we're going to argue sometimes, but we're going to make up. And so they see us kissing in the kitchen or slow dancing in the kitchen and, and things like that. And so we just, they, they know that it's a safe environment. And when we say to our vows, yeah. like that's what we meant. And we're not going to ever break that. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. Now you talk about the the shame and the disclosure that you had mm-hmm. to overcome. What challenges did you also have to overcome as a result of your jail time and the addictions that you had gone that path that you had gone down? Yeah, there was a lot of people that judged me uh, based off of that. Like, oh my gosh, you've been to jail. Like I had to put that on my resume for, I think, 10 years or seven years or something like that. It wasn't a federal offense, it was a misdemeanor. And yes, it was just a, a, a bong, but a lot of companies, when you're applying for them back then, it was like, hey, you have to list your misdemeanors and right. you have to list your federal offense. So every interview I would get to, I had to list that on there. And that was kind of a pain in the butt, you know, to, to, to go through that story and go, yep, I was a dumb 18 year old kid. And, and, you know, I don't do that anymore. And, and kind of repeat that story. And, and the bankruptcy really hurt me as well. Like to the point where I couldn't even open a savings account unless my wife co-signed for it. And uh, it was just, yeah, it, it, it gave me a lot of trouble <laughs> through the years for sure. Uh, now it doesn't, but the first 10 years afterwards, it really, really was hard to you know, do anything, really get a job or, or open up checking accounts and stuff like that. I think that's one thing that we can teach our children too, is is the consequences that come and that follow us as a result of some of our choices. I, I don't think that yeah. enough teenagers realize, and so a lot of adults don't even realize that that our choices <sighs> definitely have consequences and they're totally. not just <laughs> us. They can, yeah, like you said, go into your finances, which affects, uh, you know, different things that you apply for credit with your marriage or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it, it that's, that's rough. Now, Eric, I love how your story though is able to share just that hope with those who are hurting and, and truly remind everyone that we do have purpose, but yeah. more importantly, that God has purpose in and through you. You've come so far from being lost to being found. And what would you say to perhaps that atheist who doesn't believe in God, but perhaps fears trusting anyone other than himself because he wants to control his own life's outcomes? You just have to get through that. And mm-hmm. I understand like that you have trust issues because I think that there's a lot of I I would say that I've seen personally, there's a lot of judgment that happens within the church sometimes. And that can be scary if you don't know Christ. And that can be scary if you're not sure about this whole church thing. And so I think as atheists, if you want to build that trust is find somebody who you can trust, like take them out to coffee, just ask questions. I mean, I would say, keep it like civil, right? Like one thing over the other, I would say, ask sincere questions. And hopefully the person that you, you found at the local church or wherever you're at, shoot, they can DM me on, on Instagram. I'll have a conversation with them. I'm totally fine with that. Like, I think just sharing your story and, 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 you know, if they, if they're curious, if they're really genuinely curious, then get uncomfortable by going and finding someone who is living a life as a, as a Christ follower and ask them questions, you know, and, keep it civil. Right. But like, yeah, you might not agree on everything, but if you just start to ask questions, I think God will reveal that to, to you uh, and to them. Right. 
Now you mentioned when you were getting involved in, in just the party scene with yeah. the music industry and so forth that you were a part of, just trying to fill that that emptiness that you had. So so what about some advice perhaps you'd give to the woman who's caught up in trying to fill her emptiness through partying scenes and other addictions in life? That's a tough question. I think for females, I think it almost is, it goes back to the same thing. If you want to make a change in your life, then you have to go find females that are living a life that you want to be living, right? So if they're if they're successful in business or successful as a as an employee or successful in the church, like there's more fulfillment in helping other people and impacting other people than drinking beer, right? right? Like don't get that fulfillment from being at a party or from men that you're you know dating or whatnot, right? There, like, and I I ran through that same issue as a male, right? Like my fulfillment was the party scene. My fulfillment was dating people in until I realized that God was the one that was actually fulfilling that heart and, and giving me that peace and realizing that all of that didn't make a difference. And in fact, it made it worse. Uh, you know, coming years, I had to deal with all of that shame and all of that stuff. And so I would say, you know, if you want out of that party scene, you just have to decide and, and take action. I get that's tough but you can do it. God will give you the strength to get through it. And you have to get uncomfortable to get to that comfortable spot. Now, what about for the ones who just feel so overwhelmed by their life choices and that there isn't hope for them? Perhaps they are hearing your story and think that you're the rare exception. What what advice would you give to them? I have this quote on my wall. It's from John Maxwell. And it says, the greatest mistake we make is living in constant fear that we'll make one. Right. We've, we've all made mistakes. We've all messed up. We've all done things that we're ashamed of or embarrassed about, or don't really want to tell people about. And just know that, like I love, I love to say it is our past does not define our future and don't let other people's opinions of you define your future either. Like if you spend some time in prayer and spend some time with people that are real Christian women or men in the church and can just really like love on you. And that's a big thing. Like I love, as I say, is just love people where they're at. Right. So we should never be judging people. And so I think if you're, you're lost and you're feeling like your past is overwhelmed, go find people that are living that life that you want to be living. Go find people in the church, uh, go find people that can lift you up and not just like, you know, not just like kiss your butt. I mean, but like really genuinely come out and, and, and just love on you where you're at. And I think that will help you get out of that situation. But again, it all comes back to if you want out of that, if you don't want that to define your future, you have to take action to make sure that that doesn't affect your future. And that's simply finding those people that are living the life that you want to be living. Find those people that are having that have that relationship with Christ that you want to have. And just being in their presence is going to lift you up. And God's going to start to open those doors if you really fully commit to, to getting out of that situation. Now you have your own store where you donate 25% of all profits to the Hire Heroes USA. Tell us a little bit about that Hire Heroes and your passion behind your partnership. How does that work? Yeah. So Hire Heroes USA, it's an amazing organization. They help uh, U.S. veterans and their families transition from, you know, being service to being employed. So they give them free job placement, free job training. And we started working with them in 2012 when I originally started Top Rated MMA as an apparel company. My wife came up with the name Top Rated MMA, and she said, how do we make ourselves different? And so we came out as 100% American-made, and Brian Stan used to be a UFC fighter. It started Hire Heroes USA. So I said, hey, I want to help to give back to these guys. And so we reached out to them. And, and so 25% of all the affiliate profits that I make for my website, I donate back to those guys. Gotcha. That's awesome. What what a great uh, group and, and ministry to to take part in. That's that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. I hadn't heard of that before. 
Yeah. Now, Eric, on Holly's Highlights, we have a signature question. Uh, if you could go back and encourage, inspire, or equip yourself as a child, what would you tell yourself? That everything's going to be okay. And I would also kind of really say, hey, the party scene is not worth the time. I wish that I would have spent my time in my early 20s and late teens, like really studying the word, uh, studying business more, studying more mentorship and things like that. And my life would have been different, but I don't regret anything I've done. But I think if I could go back and say, man, hey, don't go to that party, go watch this video, go read this book, like read more books. Mm -hmm. And that would have been a game changer for me, I think. And so uh, that's, that's one thing that I, that I don't necessarily regret, but I wish I would have made some different decisions, uh, you know, in my early twenties, instead of going to party, I, I, you know, if I would have just done more with my business and, and been more confident as an entrepreneur in my early age. And you've been so helpful to us to just be here and share your story. Uh, where can our listeners connect further with you, Eric? EricAllenMedia.com is the website. And I'm really active on Instagram. So it's Eric, E-R-I-K-G Allen. Feel free to shoot me a message on there. I respond to every DM. I respond to every comment on my post. So love to connect and network with new people. Okay, well, make sure to have that on our show notes as well. Eric, you definitely are living out Romans 12a as you have encouraged us today and given generously of your time. Truly, truly a pleasure, Eric. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's such an honor to be on your great show. And I think if people are hearing this, you're an amazing host. People need to be listening to your show and be subscribing to your show. You are changing the world with your show. So keep doing that. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for joining me on this journey of life. I hope that today's highlight has been encouraging, inspiring, and equipping so you can go out and live your life full of purpose. I'd be honored if you'd take a moment to leave a review, or better yet, subscribe. We can also stay in touch by joining my email list at hollycurby.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-C-U-R-B-Y.com. Until next time, make it a great day for a great day.